Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. I'm Anthony Bourdain, and you're listening to The Trip, the new podcast from my partners at Roads and Kingdoms. The Trip is your passport to all things weirder, deeper, further. Each episode, a different Roads and Kingdoms contributor will take you behind the scenes of a reporting trip somewhere in the world with host Nathan Thornburg from Roads and Kingdoms. Now, Kara Parks of Roads and Kingdoms talks to Nathan Thornburg about his travels to find heavy hallucinogens in the jungle. And she calls him a douchebag. Rightly so. The trip. Get ready for the ride. The nice thing about vomiting is it happens on both levels. You're definitely vomiting in reality, but you're vomiting in the spirit world. <laughs> it just means different things. <laughs> One bucket, two meanings. That's horrifying. I can't believe I'm at work talking about this. I can. <laughs> <laughs> I actually was wondering about this. How did you first hear about ayahuasca? What what kind of propelled you down there in the first place? One of the first trips that I took when I was with Roads and Kingdoms, it was kind of a reporting trip, was down to the Amazon to report on ayahuasca tourism. And uh, funnily enough, I was I was there like a couple weeks after CNN had sent a documentary crew down there. And everybody that I talked to said, oh, yeah, well, CNN had been calling a couple weeks ago, and they said that they would like to do a story about ayahuasca, but they couldn't legally take ayahuasca. (laughs) So a lot of the people down there were like, well, we're not going to work with you because you're just going to watch us flip out, and you're going to think we're weirdos, and then you're going to go home, and that's the story you're going to tell. They had a sort of uh, commitment test that you had to pass, like you actually had to do the ayahuasca. So one of the great you know, liberties of working at a place with absolutely nothing to lose, like Roads and Kingdoms, is you get to take the ayahuasca. I have done psychedelics, but I had a very bad breakup with them maybe 20 years ago. I mistook, like, my natural body oils for blood. Mm-hmm. Just yep. leave it there. Okay. It's bad. It's a bad <laughs> night. <laughs> Bottom line is, I'm going down to Iquitos, and I'm I'm, I'm bringing a lot of fear. My name is Carlos Tanner, and I'm the program director for the Ayahuasca Foundation. I'm 35 years old, and I'm from Massachusetts. I run into um, this guy, Carlos Tanner. Carlos Tanner, I first saw his stuff online. You can, you can find him online. He's a voluble YouTuber, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is immediately sounds sounds accurate. <laughs> a sign of trust. Science of plant spirit medicine can spread throughout the world. This YouTube video where he's talking about his own transformational experience and and what led him to start this thing called the uh, the Ayahuasca Foundation down in Peru and his testimony, his personal testimony, was that he had had all of this GI distress, you know, doctors up here, Western, you know, that whole thing, the hospitals were failing him, having a rough time of it. He went down uh, to Peru, did ayahuasca. When he was on ayahuasca, he entered his own mouth and uh, ducked down into his stomach 
and found there that there was a squid blocking one of his ducts and that'll do it he wrestled the squid freed it returned it to the uh the dirty water of his stomach um and that's that's what cured him Mm -hmm. i saw that and it's not like empirically i was like yes let me follow this this medicine man (laughs) uh so i called him up and i talked to him and and um i just got a a feeling like this guy's okay so the, the crazy guy who wrestled a squid in his own stomach that you found on YouTube, that was your, that, that soothes some of your, your fears. He shares with us the knowledge that he has learned through his traditional initiation into the Shipibo science of plant spirit medicine. Then that creates now an added challenge because you still have to go back and tell people about ayahuasca. And you have to do it in a way that people can understand, which is almost completely impossible. And because that is sort of tough. On the one hand, someone's talking about something like this. You do want to get their experience and you want them to really like be in it and experiencing it at the same time that there's nothing that, you know, you kind of want to hear less about than someone's just like, like three hour trip, you know, like just three hours of like just getting high and like what they like, you know, them going through the shit. And like, it's just like, it's like someone like cornering you and telling you about their dreams. You are like, great for you, but... I don't need to know that. So it's like it's hard to be able to balance that journalistic instinct toward experiential reporting and not just being kind of like this self-indulgent D-bag who's just doing drugs in the jungle, talking about it. Was that? I feel you... very called out right now. <laughs> so you land, small plane, short flight over incredible mountains. There's a kid gets my bag, we throw it on the back, I get behind him, and he takes me to uh, Don Enrique, who is a Shipibo shaman, who is uh, Carlos's partner. There's something about Don Enrique, he's got a very calm face, very, like, doesn't move a lot. Uh, it just seems, like, placid. I believe that if Don Enrique was not who he is, Shipibo Indian, who comes from a long line of medicine men, that he would be like actually like a nurse or a doctor. He'd work in healthcare. He'd be in a hospital. Like you know, this just he just has that thing. You're like he likes to uh, to take care of people. He's got a good bedside manner. The people I was going out to see in his this camp he calls Inkankana. One of the things that was so incredible about the experience that I was able to have is I was not part of some kind of ayahuasca tour with people who were coming out and doing um, doing a couple ceremonies and then running back. It's like I am I'm part of a medical community, like a fully legit school whose purpose is to create doctors in the ayahuasca uh, world. I've dropped in on like a graduating class. Proud young doctors ready to take their medicine out into the world, into most of the countries where it's illegal, and then run these ceremonies and bring plant medicine to to people who can't otherwise make it out to the Peruvian Amazon. Then we get out and we walk. And that's, uh, that's where it began, on a mud path to the jungle. It was... You know, it's 
what the Amazon feels like the Amazon should be. It's uh, a lot of mud, screaming insects, uh, a bunch of leaves cutting at your face for like maybe an hour walk. Before we kind of get into the ceremony, can you just talk about what ayahuasca is? Let me back up and say the improbability of having discovered ayahuasca by accident due to the basic complexity of what ayahuasca is is one of the things that makes me believe that ayahuasca is like a thing. That like maybe somebody had actually just dropped a little bit of an earworm in a in a shipibo a long time ago and said, take this and then mix it with that. Because it's complicated. It's like it's the the resin of a the ayahuasca vine and you've got to brew it basically with the leaves of this chacruna plant. And it's that combination that has that right combination of DMT and and uppers and downers and Molly and like all the stuff that makes you feel the feelings and and uh, I always think like man how many of these dudes must have just died <laughs> right. from like sucking on every jungle vine brewing tea out of every leaf until they reached the one that was like oh there you are God <laughs> and right, you can wake up in the morning. We're going to take a quick break from our story and take you on a short side trip to Manhattan's Lower East Side, presented by Tiger Beer. Restaurateur Wilson Tang reminisces about growing up at the oldest dim sum spot in Chinatown. I remember there was always a cat in the restaurant growing up for the sole purpose of catching mice. At 3 o'clock, all these dim sum chefs would get off of work and they end up at Namwa in the back table and they're playing cards because that's just what they did. My name is Wilson Tang and I'm the owner of Namwa Tea Parlor here in Chinatown. It would always be a cigarette at the end of my uncle's mouth with the ash very long, deep, intense in these card games, which, are, which is all illegal, right? Card games are illegal, smoking in restaurants are illegal, cats in restaurants are illegal. And those memories will stick with me forever. One of the um, selling points of my uncle was like, hey, you know, you can kind of take over the restaurant. We can jazz it up, you know, make it modern and put in new lights. I'm like, that would be so dumb to do. Um, I I feel one of the the biggest attractions is is really this throwback in time. When someone leaves Namwa, I want them to realize that they left part of history. It is the oldest restaurant in Chinatown, and I'm proud to say that I kept this going. That was your Tiger Beer Lower East Side Minute. Now back to the trip. Strap in. Okay, so you're in the jungle. You've reached the camp. Uh, you're with Don Enrique. Don Enrique is there with Wilma, his, his wife. Um, they've, they've got a lot of local workers who are around mainly construction guys, and then there's the rat hunters. They shot the largest rat I've ever seen. This thing called a mahas, like a 30-pound rat, something like a dog-sized thing, and uh, cooked it. Wilma cooked it with some bell peppers. Yeah. She brought those from Iquitos. <laughs> but it, it was protein. One of the things I love about ayahuasca culture, and it's so directly in incompatible with, with like kind of hippy-dippy, like psychedelic culture or you know a lot of people were coming there where they they were on juice cleanses or maybe they were vegetarians they you know spiritualists in the north american vein 
So the Shipibo are basically like, you can come and learn about ayahuasca, but you're going to do it our way. One, you got to eat meat. Like, you're going to eat some rats. Like, <laughs> you are going to eat jungle meat. No question. Like, you have to eat meat. You can't be a vegetarian down there. And you have to smoke. Now, I'm a former smoker, so that is, like, amazing to me. Down there in the Amazon, your doctor is like, light up, son. <laughs> like, let me roll it for you. And it's not just any tobacco. It's like it's like jungle galwas. It's like, they call it mapacho. It's like super dark, tarry, like, intense tobacco. And they chain smoke it. And they make all of the medical students chain smoke. <laughs> it's basically, like, the point is to envelop yourself in this smoke, which is a great protector, you know. This is spiritual warfare that's going on. So you're, um, are you in like a structure or are you, what's kind of... Yeah, so one, one of the things that these, uh, these gentlemen have cleared the Amazon for is to build a circular, you know, kind of yurt style structure. And that's every like ayahuasca ceremony is supposed to take place under this circular thing. And a lot of what I first see the medical students doing, I mean, the heat is outstanding. So they're not doing anything fast. They're doing a lot of, like, drawing. They're, like, painting their dreams and their ayahuasca visions. And they're painting them on the outside uh, of this hut, this circular hut. Or they're painting them on fabric cloth that they'll hang up. It's, like, it's real, like, art camp for hallucinators, you know? Uh <laughs> <laughs> my worst nightmare. <laughs> uh, so I'm on a mat in a in a half circle in in this circular yurt with um you know with four or five of these guys and in front of me Don Enrique is sitting there and I am kind of waiting for Don Enrique to say anything but he's pretty he's pretty out like He's getting ready. In his world, he's like, he's strapping on like body armor. <laughs> like he's he's, he's passing over in a serious way. He's going to the uh, he is going to the armory. <laughs> what he actually looks like is just a a, a, a middle aged Pivo dude smoking a lot uh, and with his legs crossed in the in the center of a of a yurt. Um, but the energy is uh, is focused. So one by one, he calls us up, and he has us sit like cross leg in front of him, and and he hands us the the cup. Put the cup to your lips, and then all hell breaks loose because that is some disgusting, disgusting stuff. Like the the you know. There's a lot of gross stuff to run through when talking about ayahuasca, but you, you have to start with how this shit tastes and, like, the, the, the consistency. Bitter, viscous. Viscous, bitter. So it's, like, thick. It's thick. It's gross. Yeah, Big Pharma hasn't had a chance to put a, put a teaspoon of sugar in that. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's real medicine. Did you have one of those moments right before you took it? I, know, I feel like a lot of times when people are ingesting drugs, there's that moment right before you actually ingest it where you're like, I could not. Like, I don't, I don't gotta. Did you, because especially you were bringing in sort of this previous fear 
Did you have a moment where you were like, hmm? I had nothing but those moments. <laughs> Just. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, Don Enrique said something interesting. He said, uh, well, if you're afraid, you just, you know, ask ask her. Like, ask Mother Ayahuasca, like, if you should be afraid. Just don't worry about it until you can get a chance to ask her. And I was like, well, that sounds crazy, uh, but okay. That's, that's the least comforting thing I've ever heard <laughs> in my life. <laughs> You've taken your viscous bitter, warmed over death drink, and then what happens? The ayahuasca starts slow. You really, you ramp up, and within that time, there's a lot of, there's a lot, you're, I think... For me, my brain is working a lot quicker than the drug, so I'm already like out in front. <laughs> you know, I'm I'm already like, okay, am I am I crazy high? Like, so this vine comes along into my field of vision and and uh, turns into uh, the head and and shoulders of a of a woman, and then it kind of, but it's still like this plant woman. I'm like, mother, <laughs> mother, I was gonna. And it turns around, and it's got scars on its back, you know. And I was like, man, it's like, it's Mother Ayahuasca, and, and you know, the jungle has been hurt. The jungle is in pain. That's <laughs> deep. <laughs> and I'm looking at this, and I'm like, overtaken with the absolute, like, incontrovertible reality that I have just totally made that thing up in my head. <laughs> Like, I've just chosen a really stupid, like, visual metaphor for the jungle and for Mother Ayahuasca. And I've just, like, created, like, the Sesame Street version of what raping and pillaging the environment should look like. <laughs> so you're, you're the Lorax and you're speaking for the trees at this moment. <laughs> That's basically what's... So I'm recording now. It's about three hours in. And the only reason why I'm recording this because I'm... Pretty sure I don't know for sure, but I think that ayahuasca would be happy for me to share the message. But um, this has been just like a very blissful, smooth, easy, you know, for something that does make you throw up experience. And I'm just uh, grateful for that. You know, I came in with a lot of fears about whether it be a bad trip or, you know, I've had some experience with that, but this is something very different. And, um, yeah, it's just beautiful. You just feel loved and, and uh, you actually feel the presence of spirits and, and Mother Ayahuasca. I, I know you'll laugh when you hear this, but it's true. Maybe you have to. So I'm having this thought and this thought, and then all of a sudden, bam, I got to throw up. You throw up, and it's uh, when you're doing it the right way, like your, your head clears out, and then just this light enters in. You're like, I'm all empty. I got space. And uh, so now that we're fully into it, I'll tell you, like, after that first thing and that, that old vision goes away, um, I'm sitting there, and then this light comes, and... And it feels external. Like, that's the thing. I'm like, this is a thing I can't make. Like, I'm not doing this. And all background, you know, in my life, like, I'm complete atheist. Like, I don't believe in any of this stuff. Uh, I, I have deep skepticism of, like, 
tripping balls and learning stuff. I have to say, like, I feel like this is a very external thing that was like all of a sudden happened, and it's like this this giant light, and it's all like there's no visual, there's no like visual metaphor. I'm not like <laughs> painting a word picture, uh, you know, that that's fitting something. It's just like this this overwhelming sense of just like emotions, like you're you're you know whatever that externality that that comes in through through open doors there like it felt like it was the good one it was like it was the the good presence Don Enrique had he had asked me to to bring a question not just about the fear but just like generally like what are you trying to solve here you know and and it, it's diagnostic it's like medicinal so i was like well i'm having some gi problems He's like all right we'll get that checked out but you can ask other things too you know like bring another question and i had a question which i still have and i i mean so mother ayahuasca gives me an answer that's fine like i i still have it i'd, I'd like to hear it i'll be working with this for a while but i think as journalists you you have this thing where you get involved in people's lives you know and uh you know and especially in news um which i did you know for a lot of years at time like you're going and you're like oh so your son was just murdered you know like some terrible things happen and here i am i'd, I'd like to ask you about it and there's something about that that is like fundamentally inhuman like that i've never quite gotten right with i was also doing that kind of dispassionate inquisitive like you know i was doing that with ayahuasca too so i did have that question and continually throughout that first ceremony i felt like that question was being answered and you'll never guess but the answer was like it's cool you're doing great <laughs> so yeah and in, in, in that vein how are you sort of like documenting this as you're also like fighting you know the cosmic forces that are trying to attack your brain you know i had like the audio recorder on like i was talking to people i was i was taking notes i was going to write a story about this i wasn't secret about that like carlos and don enrique and everybody knew i was going to write about this but i had to get like i had to get a release signed by mother ayahuasca and she signed it I don't know why it bothers me so much, but something about the personification of Mother Ayahuasca every time. And everyone I know who's tried it does that. They make it seem like very much like this external presence that they met to a certain degree. And I don't know why some part of my brain can't accept that, but but uh, but it does seem like a very intrinsic part of like this drug experience, sort of meeting this being. There are a couple things about ayahuasca that feel structural that also have that share some of its DNA with um, DMT and what that experience is like. And those things almost make me believe in it more. DMT has always had this effect. People describe seeing kind of grids like geometry, like deep geometry, like alien geometry. And they just look at it and they know that that's alien geometry. Ayahuasca, like high-level ayahuasqueros, like Don Enrique, dude, is all about aliens. It is alien geometry that is like that at the at the top. That is like the the sea org of <laughs> ayahuasca. 
ayahuasca feels like it brings a certain structure of conversation to you and and it, the, like that experience is somewhat uniform person to person um so yeah so can you kind of just explain what don enrique is doing during this how he is doctoring to everyone really the main the main form of this kind of telepathic communication or experience that happens is through a song the song it's called a Icaro there's a number of different songs it's like a, a, a song chant um, in Shipibo language and and you uh, you ride that thing, man. You, you just like he sings it, and and you ride it somewhere, and you all do it together. You're all listening to it. So during this ceremony, Don Enrique is getting advice from animals, like jaguars, snakes. They all represent some plant, and they have a they do rounds on you. You know, like in medical school, and like residents will do rounds. A gaggle of them will go patient by patient and they'll talk about them in the third person as if they're not in the room and come up with some sort of plan of care. So what happened when once you got home? You know, it felt for a while like the medicine had kind of done its job. And, and you know, at that point, I was like at, at a real high point for like belief, you know, in this. Because plant medicine, man, this is the thing. On board. I found something. And then, and then. And then I didn't write the story. That's <laughs> a main thing. I was like, uh spent about a year thinking about this the idea is always to like write about this on some level and, and get this down and it just was in my head a lot and, and i'm busy now running things at roads and kingdoms and it's not not happening uh as a story this one morning i woke up and uh saw this like a lump in my neck and you know I showed it to my wife who I think had gotten over her <laughs> complete confoundment at the fact that I'd gone down to the jungle and done a bunch of fake ass medicine uh, you know from her point of view as soon as she saw the lump she's like you know that's not that, that shouldn't be there you need to get that checked out The long story short, I discovered it was cancer. It had been there a while. My main question, which I'm sure just confused the hell out of them, is like, did I have this cancer two years ago? And they're like, why does that matter to you? And I didn't even get into it with them, but I was just like, just tell me if I had this. I'm just asking for a friend. Right. And, uh, and they were like, yeah, yeah, you had that cancer. You know, the good news about the kind of cancer I had is it's such a poster child for Western medicine. 
you know, you cut it out and then you go through radiation and it works and you're done. And I'm, I'm done. I, uh, I'm very happy to say I, I'm cancer free. I have one more surgery left, but like none of, you know, this is not like, it's not a fatal, uh, oversight on ayahuasca's part or anything like that. I feel like it's just the, just the right amount of, you know, kind of fact check on ayahuasca. Carlos Tanner, and I'm the program director for the Ayahuasca Foundation. So I call Carlos to talk to him about this. I'm like, Carlos, I, I've got cancer. I had it when I was down there, and Mother Ayahuasca didn't tell me, she didn't say a peep about it. Carlos said, well, maybe you weren't ready. Yeah. <laughs> Which is undefeated argument to this day (laughs) you know from the curanderos and uh, holistic faith healers uh, and uh, and itinerant preachers of the world Um, if you're not ready for the message then I guess you weren't going to get it yeah did you feel betrayed at all or were you just sort of like I mean I never expected that much of this not at all I would not be true to my own belief system if I was like 100% expecting that ayahuasca was actually going to diagnose something and of course you know I get to sit here with you know the advantage of having gotten past cancer so uh, I get to be magnanimous about it I'd always been looking in all of these experiences for the limits of of what it could do and what I, you know, the limits of my own belief in it. And that was a real good hard stop limit. Like, you know, ayahuasca is this diagnostic, that's the main thing is the diagnostic power of ayahuasca. Definitely pretty fucking sure this does not diagnose cancer. <laughs> <laughs> You know, what do you think you actually gained from this experience? I mean, if it it wasn't helping you in the diagnostic sense that they were promising and you weren't expecting it to or holding it to that standard, that but you still seem to feel that you got a lot out of it, that you, you know, that you changed somehow. What what do you think you were hoping to get out of it and what did you actually get out of it that's that stayed with you? I mean, Western medicine still has no fucking idea how to deal with, you know, the emotional part of people dealing with. I mean, you know, I saw a lot of death when I was in these ceremonies and like as little as ayahuasca had helped the physical, it gave me a lot of tools to just deal with shit. Like in my mid thirties, had two super young kids, was definitely not expecting or um, it wasn't like cancer time. And there's no hallucination that's weirder than like seeing a part of your own body that doesn't look the way that it's supposed to, you know, and to to have that experience of 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 realizing that you've got this thing, you know, in you that's trying to kill you, like that's some trippy shit. Ayahuasca at least had loosened my relationship with weird things. <laughs> I mean, you know, I'd done this stuff when I was a kid, like when I, you know, in my early 20s. And then you go about the business of calcifying and having a family, having kids, like a career, all of this stuff. 
it's not usual that you go back to doing hallucinogens and then you like reopen a psychedelic, you know, mall in your mind. Um, and I just happened to have done that. And I felt like that was exactly what I needed to have done, strangely enough. So maybe I was ready for it. Yeah. Take that, Carlos. (laughs) (laughs) I'm on ayahuasca right now. (laughs) I feel like I need to say as a representative of Resident Kingdoms that we're not encouraging people to go to the Amazon and do ayahuasca. That's, I I overrule. (laughs) We are totally encouraging. Half of us are encouraging people to go to the Amazon and do ayahuasca. I I would uh, I think it could be kind of amazing. Just uh, just give us a ring first. We'll we'll tell you how to how to do it right. The trip season one is brought to you by Tiger Beer, distributed by Panoply. Original theme music from Dan the Automator. Additional music in this episode from Komiku and Frederick Lardon. Special thanks to Kara Parks for talking with me. The trip is produced by the fearless Josie Holtzman. If you want to check out the original article that inspired this podcast, head to roadsandkingdoms.com. Next time on the trip, we head to a crypt in Madagascar for the turning of the bones, lots of rum, and ruminations on death. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live.